Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 102nd program in this series. In this program, I'm in John chapter 17, verse 3. And in verse 3, Jesus said, And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what Jesus said about eternal life. It's a definition of what eternal life is, or you could say what eternal life is about. It is about knowing your God. Now, this statement that Jesus makes here concerning eternal life in general, is not compatible with what most people believe about eternal life. Just to give you kind of an exaggerated example, I've encountered a lot of people who really believe that eternal life is about having your own personal place, your own personal sanctuary, your own personal mansion in the kingdom of heaven that has more rooms in it than you will likely ever walk into, and has a yard or a field or whatever it is your heart may desire. And of course, you will have as many angels as you would like who are going to spend eternity with you as your personal servants who will do whatever your heart desires. And that this is what most people think of when they're thinking about eternal life from what I've encountered. Of course, there are all different kinds of people and different variations of this. But the idea of really knowing God, this is an idea that most people don't express. They don't come up with. They don't think about. It's very unusual, exceptionally unusual, to encounter a person who is really thinking about heaven as being the place where they are going to really get to know God as a person. They really want to know all about him. They want to know who he is. They want to know what's important to him. Things like that. This is just not what people are thinking in general when they're thinking about the idea of eternal life. And so when Jesus said this, he gave a definition that for the most part people are not really interested in. That to them, the idea of really knowing God as a person just doesn't have that much relevance. To some people, they might find that interesting, but it will not necessarily be as important to them as many other things that will just simply take such a priority or will be of such importance to them that something like this just simply will never have enough importance to be important in their life. And so I'd like to spend some time talking about this because it could very well be that those who are thinking about heaven in one way is just simply not compatible with what God has in mind. And it could very well be that they might be thinking that they are going to have a place in the kingdom of heaven, but they might not. 
Now, I, of course, am not the person who makes the individual decisions about who is going to be in heaven and who isn't. I do believe the gospel. I've explained the gospel relentlessly in the programs that I have recorded over the years. I do have an understanding, a belief concerning what the gospel is, and I'm being true to that. And I will tell people that this is how you are saved. You're saved through the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of life. I have, of course, had a lot to say about this. But I do believe that our God is the final decision maker when it comes to who's really going to be with him in heaven and who won't be. And while he has given us the definition of the gospel, from what I can tell, our God still reserves the right to make the decision concerning who he will save and who he won't. And what I mean by this is that he is able to make a decision. He is able to make a judgment that is true and that looks not only at what a person may say or what they may confess or what they might do or not do. He can make a decision based on the condition of their heart, based on who they really are as a person. And so in this program, I'm going to spend some time talking about the criteria that I believe God would consider as part of deciding if somebody's really going to be saved or not. And this criteria has to do with the kind of person he's looking for. I don't think it's likely that he's going to save the kind of person who's just looking to take a piece of his home, carve it out for themselves, and expect there to be a bunch of angels who are going to provide them with whatever their heart desires, and they will have no reason to ever have anything to do with God as a person at all throughout all eternity. I don't think this is what he has in mind, and honestly, I don't think he's going to let somebody like that into his kingdom. He might. I'm not saying that he won't. I'm not making the rules for God. But what I am saying is, according to what Jesus said here in John chapter 17, verse 3, obviously, God has an idea about eternal life that most people just won't even consider as being an option. So in this program, I'm going to talk about certain characteristics that people have, and these characteristics represent decisions that people have made. It's not about, well, I was born this way, or this is just the way I am. No, it really isn't about that. It really is about a person making a decision about who they are going to be, about the way they are. These really are decisions. And what happens with that is that a person becomes responsible for who they are. They become responsible for the decisions that they make. Now, unfortunately, most of the people in the world do not want to be responsible. That's just the way people are. That's the way people have always been, and they're always going to be this way. It is difficult. It is unusual to encounter a person who will sincerely embrace personal responsibility for themselves. This is unusual, and it's unfortunate, but that is the way things are. Now, when a person is born into this world, they're born spiritually dead. We're all born spiritually dead without the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. And we're born into this world 
that is structured in a way that there are certain problems that we all have to solve. We all have to figure out how we're going to eat. We all have to solve the problem of shelter, the problem of energy, the problem of clothing. There are specific problems that we all need to solve. And we get confronted with these kinds of problems at an early age. So when a person is confronted with these problems, then, of course, they will look for a solution to these kinds of problems. Now, if you consider a baby, just to give you an example, obviously they are not going to be able to solve the problems of life, such as how are they going to be clothed? Where are they going to dwell? Where are they going to live? How are they going to provide themselves with energy? These are not the kinds of problems that they're faced with. One of the first problems that a person will encounter is the need for food. And you discover this with babies. They get hungry. And so what do they do? How do they solve the problem of hunger? Well, they express their discomfort. And when they express their discomfort, usually through crying and screaming, then food will suddenly appear. And that to them becomes their first problem-solving technique in life. You just scream and cry, and people will just give you whatever you need. If you feel cold, if you feel too hot, if you feel some sense of discomfort, just simply cry, yell, scream, whatever it may be. And this is how you learn how to solve the problems of life when you're young. Now, of course, things get adjusted more and more as a person gets older. But as they get older, they will discover that either someone else is going to solve their problems for them, or they are going to have to solve their problems for themselves. Now, what a lot of people do as they grow and as they mature is they discover or they learn various techniques, various ways of getting other people to solve the problems of life for them. And this is their problem-solving technique. I will just simply find some way to get somebody else to do what I don't want to do for myself. Because, you know, in general, in order to solve the problems of life, you have to do things. You have to perform work. And work normally involves pain and discomfort and People would like to avoid pain and discomfort, and so they look for ways to live off of the labor and the work of someone else, which is what they needed to do when they were first born into this world because they couldn't do anything for themselves. But as a person grows and as they mature, you would expect that since they are now able to do things for themselves, that they would do things for themselves. But it turns out that most people decide It is a decision. Most people will decide to try to find ways to get other people to do things for them so that they live off of the labor of someone else. And this will go on and on and on as long as they can find someone else to solve their problems for them. They will do that. Now, what this represents is this represents a decision that people make that they will not be responsible for themselves, that other people exist for the purpose of being responsible 
for them. Now, there are various techniques and various approaches that people take in order to accomplish this. And unfortunately, a lot of these techniques and a lot of these problem-solving strategies that people employ involve dishonesty, deception, manipulation, even extortion and blackmail. People have come up with a lot of different ways to get someone else to take care of them, someone else to assume responsibility for them, someone else to look for someone else to solve the problems of life for them. Now, I am, of course, very much in favor of people making agreements with other people and sharing the burdens of life, finding ways to distribute the problems to different people so that people can benefit from the solutions that other people make in their lives, as long as there's an understanding, as long as there is truth, as long as everyone understands what each other are doing, and there is mutual benefit, that everyone is benefiting by the agreements that are made. Now, unfortunately, another problem-solving technique that people utilize is they say that they will do something, that they will be a part of the relationship, that they will contribute to the relationship, but then they don't. They don't fulfill their end of the deal. They don't fulfill their part of what was expected in the relationship. But to them, this is a problem-solving technique. You just lie. You just pretend. You just deceive a person into thinking that you are going to do your part. They will do theirs. You don't do yours. So, of course, they're going to have to do your part also. These are ways that people will solve the problems of life. Now, this defines a kind of person, a type of person. And this is a decision that people make. I know a lot of people just say, well, this is just the way I am, and you just have to accept me and stuff. But no, it really is a decision. You are that way because you have decided to be that way, and you have decided that other people have to accept that. Or, of course, depending upon the kind of relationship that you're in, there could be terrible consequences that this person is going to have to endure if they don't. And so at that point, whatever the other person thinks or whatever the other person feels, if they protest, if they don't like the fact that they are being used and abused, well, you know, at that point, it just isn't going to matter. You either take it, you either accept it, or you will suffer. And that's the way the world is. That's the world that we have. And these are decisions that people make to deceive others, to lie to others, to maybe even pretend to like them in order to draw them into an agreement that this surface-level charmer has no intention of doing their part of the agreement at all. And they won't because they have decided that they won't. And they have decided that this is how they will solve the problems of life. Now, what I've discovered is that the overwhelming majority of people in this world are like that. That is the majority. So many of them there are that you might as well say that this is just the world, that the world is like this. 
filled with wicked, evil, deceptive, manipulative people who only exist, it seems, for the purpose of living off of the labor of somebody else. They are a bunch of parasites. And I, of course, don't like the idea that it is this way. I would prefer that the majority of the people in the world would be responsible people, would be people who would be looking to be honest and have integrity and have honor and those kinds of things. That in general, they would be the kinds of people who would want to produce more than what they consume, who would want to give to others and benefit others with what they have produced, not by just simply redistributing what somebody else has produced, but something that they have produced. Otherwise, of course, we're talking about a person who simply takes from one person, gives to somebody else, minus a commission for the theft that they engaged in. And it is theft, regardless of whether it's legal or not legal. It still is theft, unless a person genuinely, voluntarily gave something to someone else to distribute to others. They gave that. They decided to give that for that purpose. Now, again, I'm just speaking in generalities in order to show you that most of the people in the world really are like this. Even though I understand that a lot of us don't want to see it, we just can't handle, in many cases, we just can't handle the depth of the evil that exists in the world. That's the first thing I want you to understand is that there is evil in the world. There are evil people in the world. And there are, of course, varying degrees. Some people are more like this than other people. So you have to accommodate that and understand that, that there is a scale concerning how much a person may be like this or not. And the other thing that I want you to get in touch with is that these are decisions that people make. People make decisions to be like this, and this has to be recognized. And when you finally do recognize this, then you will see that everyone is responsible For themselves, everyone truly is responsible for what they do, for what they believe. Now, again, what I'm doing is I'm trying to establish a foundation to work from in order to give you a better idea with regards to the kind of person that God would want to have in his life. Obviously, he's not going to want the kind of person who makes agreements and yet doesn't do their part. He's not going to want that kind of a person in his life. He needs people who are going to be honest. He needs people who can be trustworthy. Now, of course, God is not going to be able to find the perfect person, and so there exists some kind of a threshold such that if a person is really, really the kind of person who genuinely decides to be dishonest, who never keeps agreements that they make, there is some kind of a threshold between someone who is absolutely like that and yet another person who might only do that on occasion. I don't know what that threshold might be, but from what I can tell, there probably exists some kind of threshold. And I, again, am not the person who would even begin to try to define where that is. What I do know is that God is looking for a certain kind of person, and this is a way to distinguish between the two different types of people, the kind of person who is of the world and the kind of person who God would definitely want to be in his kingdom 
for all eternity. Another topic that could be considered in defining the kind of person is to think about a person who will acknowledge that they have done something wrong. You know, this is a problem-solving technique, that if you do something that's wrong and somebody confronts you with it and they say, hey, you know what, you just did this and this is wrong, well, a problem-solving technique that people usually develop very early on in life is to just simply deny that they did that. Just say, well, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do anything wrong. So now the problem is solved. Now the problem becomes a different problem. Now you are going to have to prove in a way that there is no way I can deny it, that it becomes totally undeniable. You now have to prove in an absolute undeniable way that I did this, otherwise I'm not going to admit that I did do something wrong. And even if you do, if you do, well, then I'm going to find a way to say that it just doesn't matter anyway. This is a problem-solving technique. It is a decision that people make to solve their problems of life like this, to just simply deny that they ever violate anyone, that they ever offend anyone. They just simply deny it. That if they steal, if they lie, if they manipulate, no matter what it is, if it's negative in any way, they will just simply refuse to acknowledge that it has ever happened. And when they do that, well, that's the solution. That's how they solve their problems of life. But we know, according to the gospel, that our God has defined forgiveness as a very important part of the gospel, as a part of salvation. You must be forgiven. But if a person won't even acknowledge that they have sins that need to be forgiven, or that they need the forgiveness of God, if they won't genuinely, truthfully acknowledge that, well, then how is God going to save them? Why would he save them? Why would he want a person in his life who won't embrace forgiveness for what it really is? Now, you'll find that there are a lot of people who live in denial of reality, and this is a decision that people make. A decision that people make to solve their problems by just simply denying that they ever do anything wrong. This is a type of person. This is a kind of person that they decide they are going to be. And you will find that it turns out the majority of people in this world are like that. And again, there are different degrees with regards to how much a person will be like that or how much a person won't necessarily be like that. And whatever that threshold is, where God is willing to accept a person because they're only like that a little bit instead of a lot, that's his decision. But what I can tell is that forgiveness is important to him, and by defining the gospel in the way that he did, that you must be able to embrace the forgiveness of sins legitimately, honestly, according to your sinfulness, according to your wickedness, according to who you've decided to be, that there has to be openness and honesty and a resolution based on his provision for your condition. And so we have a God who is definitely looking for the kind of person who will admit that what they have done is wrong. And if you're the kind of person who will not admit when you have done something wrong, you will not confess, you will not recognize 
you will not take full, 100% complete and total responsibility for the way that you sin against other people and your God, well, then what good is his forgiveness? God is looking for a certain kind of person. And when he defines forgiveness as part of the gospel, he divides the world into two different kinds of people. One kind of person who can be saved and another person who definitely can't. But the reason why is because they refuse, it is a decision to refuse to acknowledge their condition, their sin, and their need for forgiveness. So God protects the kingdom of heaven from those who refuse to acknowledge their sin. When it comes to those who are irresponsible or won't fulfill their agreements, he protects the kingdom of God Because these folks are not going to be a part of what he is doing. They have no reason to know him, which is eternal life, to know him and the one who he sent. Thank you for listening. This is the 102nd program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 17, verse 3, where Jesus had said that eternal life is about knowing our God. And I explained a little bit more about the kind of person who would have no interest in knowing their God. Therefore, they would have no interest in having eternal life as God has defined eternal life. For example, the kind of person who would manipulate and deceive other people so that other people would take care of them and solve the problems of life to the extent where they don't have to have any personal responsibility for themselves. This is not the kind of person who would want to know God, the kind of person who will never admit that they have violated other people. This person certainly has no need for the forgiveness of God. Therefore, they have no reason to know their God. So in this program, I spent a little bit of time talking about some of the characteristics of a person who will reject the gospel. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you